what I dive in Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friday's edition of Raw Recovery. My name is Dion Miller, and my special guest today is Deanna from Denver. I've gotten to know Deanna a little bit as we were talking, um, uh, but here again, you know, you're going to be hearing it as I do um, as we get to know Deanna today. Um, Deanna works uh, at Mental Health, uh, call, uh, Mental Health, and I'm sorry. MHCD, we'll just go with that. She's been there for eight years, a peer specialist. Um, and I'm I'm really happy to have you on and excited. Yeah, Jill was very excited to have you on. <laughs> so, Deanna, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking your time. Yeah, thank you for asking me. Can't say no to AA. <laughs> yeah, when it comes <laughs> to service work, we kind of we you know, we gotta say yes. Um, right. I went to my noon meeting today and nobody was nobody was raising their hand to chair. You know, because we're all well. And uh, right. <laughs> and so somebody asked me and yeah, I had to do it. Got to do it. Did I want to do it? Not really. <laughs> right. But, but God <laughs> wanted me. To, God wanted me to do it. So I did. Um, and it was a good meeting. So there, there you go. We do what we can every day just to be better, better people. Right. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Deanna. Did, did you grow up in Colorado? I grew up in Lakewood and graduated from Lakewood High and okay. uh, went on to college, what was then Metropolitan State College yep. mm -hmm. in the 80s. I graduated in 80. Wow. Um, Good for you. Still live in Denver. Um I don't know what else. Ask me anything. <laughs> well, I think I'm trying to get to the beginning of your drinking career. Here. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I um, like to start with a little preview of that. Of Fantastic. Yeah. My family life. When I was a kid, I had a functioning alcoholic father okay. and an, an undiagnosed schizophrenic mother. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. And when they divorced, like in 1965 or six, mm -hmm. you lived with my mother for six years. And even though I'm in trauma therapy now and doing some EMDR, uh, I still can't remember really those six years that I okay. lived with her. Then my dad got custody of me. And um, then I started to drink and do drugs and smoke and boys were involved very early. Oh, boys. Yeah. Yeah. And I was 13. Okay. <laughs> that's, that I was very, young. Very young. Yes. Yes. That's very young. I was very broken inside and alcohol did for me what I could not do for myself. And I was this shy, scared 
fearful little girl in grade school and in seventh grade. And then in eighth grade, I started to drink and this whole outgoing personality came out and it kind of stuck. So (laughs) I'm really grateful for that Uh part, but that just shows me how fearful I was of living with my mother. Okay. So I started drinking and drugging early and, um, I thought that if I did grown up things mm-hmm. that I would feel grown up. Yeah. And that's really not how that works. Yeah. I, uh, in the very beginning, we were stealing booze from our parents and from okay. the babysitter. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Fill the vodka up with the water. Right. <laughs> yeah. As long as it's not in the freezer. Right. <laughs> you could cigarettes were 28 cents back then and mm-hmm. you didn't have to show an ID because they had those machines and yep. uh, um, pot was out there. We called oh, it yeah. pot back then. Weed now, but um, it was the seventies psychedelics. I, my girlfriend once said that we caught the last waves of Woodstock and rode them in. We were uh, young hippie ish type girls um, who sank so you know i had a lot of fun and it hadn't interfered in my life but moving forward into um high school you know i what happened for me was that all the kids i was hanging around with in ninth grade we all went to 10th grade okay and they all dropped they all dropped out Okay. But I I was only 15 in 10th grade, not 16. Yep, I was too. So I couldn't drop out until mm. I was 16. And then by the time I was in 11th grade, it, it dawned on me to finish yeah. high school. that yeah. I, I was being foolish. And mm-hmm. so I graduated um, high school. Still had like um, two sets of friends. I had my high school friends and we okay. drank and partied and went to my sweet last. And after the gold rush, yep. <laughs> did a lot of three, two Mr. Lucky's. If you yep. remember that place. Barely. And then I, another set of friends that did harder drugs. Okay. And by the time I was 16, I had been shooting up some speed, Ooh. which was, um, Nothing like the speed that they sell today. Oh, but, no. uh, um, I did that a little, and you know, we, I didn't do it enough because nobody ever had enough money because we were still kids. Yeah. So by the time I was 19, I just stopped doing that. Okay. I stopped shooting up. I just drank and did pills. There was a lot of, uh, pink hearts and black Mm -hmm. beauties and white crosses out then. And so I got together with um, somebody I met in junior high. His name was Steve and Mm, we had a very tumultuous relationship for eight years. And um, it did produce my son thankfully, who today is 37. (laughs) Steve actually actually drank himself to death about 18 years ago. Oh, man. Before. Yeah. Before he was even 50. It was really sad. Wow. It's really sad. But I always seemed to have a boyfriend. And uh, if I 
if I didn't have a boyfriend, I was looking for a boyfriend or mm -hmm. I was trying to get rid of the one that I had to get another one. And mm -hmm. there was always, always boys and men involved in my story. And okay. that caused a lot of chaos and drama for me. C certainly. Yeah. Um, 20s, I graduated from college and I, uh, was proud of myself. I went to work mm -hmm. at the phone company, but along with being an alcoholic mm -hmm. also is another problem and it's called making bad decisions. Yes. <laughs> so even though my <laughs> drugs wasn't really interfering with me going to work yet. Okay. But I was making bad decisions while at work. Like I went up on the roof with the maintenance guy and smoked weed and I was gone from okay. my desk for a long time and people noticed and I got fired. So yeah. that began quite a career of bartending and cocktailing. And ah. that's a, you know, I, I wouldn't say that that's a perfect job for an alcoholic. I, yeah. I did. I did know that if I started drinking in the morning uh -huh. at 10 o'clock when I got there, that I wouldn't be able to do happy hour at yeah. four o'clock because I'd be too drunk. So I would wait all day. I don't know. I had all these little games I played with myself to prove sure. to myself that I didn't drink, you know, too much. Mm -hmm. And so chaos and drama still. My mom been in and out of Fort Logan now numerous okay. times. Um, when I, just to give you a little hint on how that relationship was, uh, when I was 14 and we all smoked under this tree at school okay. and I was there smoking and my friend Brad walked up and he started laughing when he saw me and he said, oh, we saw your mom getting taken away in a straitjacket last night. And I was <sighs> devastated. Yeah. I was like, F her and F you. And I walked off. And yeah. that pretty much closed the curtain to any emotions that okay. I had. With your mom or just in general? Just in general. Okay. It was really difficult to have a mentally ill parent. Yeah. And back, back then, the stigma, you know, my dad yeah. never talked about it. We never talked about it. She did some crazy things to me and, um, and I didn't, we didn't like her. Yeah. We didn't recognize it like we do now. Um, and there's a lot more help for it. Now my, oh, my wife's yeah. ex-husband is diagnosed, um, you know, and I pray for him all the time. There's just times yeah. and he doesn't know, you know, God, God bless his soul, man. Hmm. Yeah, it's tough. She refused to admit that she had a problem for okay. 25 years, basically. She was in and out of Fort Logan okay. yearly. So I just pretended I didn't have a mother. All right. You know, I had a kid yeah. when I was 25 and I was close with my dad. He was like my rock, even though he was a functioning alcoholic. He still was there for me at some level and sure. very very financially there for me, made sure me and Stefan didn't want anything. I, okay. I remember I went through a period where I was too drunk to work and he paid my rent okay. for, for two months and that kind of stuff. And then I got it together and got a job because mm -hmm. back then you could get a job in a day. Oh yeah. You remember Easy. that? 
you'll walk out your front door and get a job. It was right. not hard. It was not hard. And so, you know, the drinking and drugging really took off after, well, I ended up getting pregnant and then marrying Steve, the one who passed away. Okay. And we only managed to stay together for married, even though we were together for eight years, we were only married for a year. And when he left, that's when the drinking really took off because now I didn't have anything holding me back. All right. Really not even my son. And I made some horrible decisions Okay. While he was a baby, I left him home alone a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not for hours, but like for a half an hour mm-hmm. while I go to go to the neighbors and drink. Or uh, once I left him in his crib for 45 minutes while I went on somebody's motorcycle to the store and just mm-hmm. super bad decisions. Yeah. And I was drinking, drinking, drinking. I was staying up all night and drinking, trying to go to work and alcohol took me over. Okay. Then I was bartending at um, a bar on 120th in Washington. And I met this guy named John and we got together and we were drinking, drinking, drinking. And we happened to live in uh, apartment buildings that were next door to each other. Okay. So eventually we moved in together after, you know, a couple minutes and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can remember still that day that we moved in that I was standing in my dining room and I swear it was God's voice behind me because I even turned around and looked. It said, this is a mistake. I heard that, that voice of reason, but I didn't know what it was, you know, and you ignored it. And I ignored it because when he went home for Christmas, he came back with Delatas and wanted to know if I wanted to get high, shoot up with him. And if yeah. you remember my story from before when I was 19 yes. and I and stopped, quit. Yep. well, this time my brain told me, oh, it's been eight years. Mm-hmm. You'll be okay. So yeah, that you began, can do it once. You'll be all right. Totally. That's what my uh, addiction told me. Mm-hmm. It's been eight years. You'll be okay. So that started like a three-year run, almost okay. three years run of drinking and doing heroin with him. Yep. And I still had a little boy, still trying to go to work. It was very, very stressful. And yeah, I imagine. Luckily, I was able to get away from him. I decided I didn't want to get high anymore. And for okay. the second time, yep. I walked away from the needle. <clears throat> so... I'll tell you about months and he finally went back to Oregon where he was from and okay. he called me, he called me and um, I don't know if he was trying to make a ninth step amends to me or something, but he said, I have to tell you something. And I was like, why did he uh. say, <laughs> he said, every time we got high, I did more. And mm. he thought it was going to be mad. <laughs> And all I said was, thank you. And then all the pieces fell into place while he was so strung out. He had to get on methadone. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't. And I Uh, didn't. So his selfishness actually saved me. Yep. So drinking, 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 drinking's not working too much anymore. I actually went to a bar one night and drank and couldn't get drunk. First time that ever happened, went to another bar, had another Mm -hmm. two drinks, still not drunk, finally went home. Then I got a job at a methadone clinic. 
Okay. And I didn't, nobody knew that I had used. Sure. Right. I was still drinking, but yeah. they were like, do you mind working with heroin addicts? And I'm thinking, no, uh, no, I don't mind. At no, all. I don't mind. <laughs> I was just a little receptionist, little clerk in the front desk, but, okay. um, I met a couple outreach workers and one man gave me a bid book after he heard a little bit of my story and yeah. he said, I want you to read the first 164 pages till you see yourself in there. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading, 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 reading. And I get to the third step about the actor adjusting the lights. It was mm -hmm. steps on the toes of fellows and all this. And at that moment, I knew I was an alcoholic. Yep. I mean, I was relieved because I thought, I didn't know what I thought, but every, sure. every New Year's Eve, I promise next year will be better, but I didn't know what to improve. Yeah. I didn't know what to change. Right. Sure. So yeah. now I'm an alcoholic. And about two days later, I took my son to a program called Kids and Divorce and Separation because, okay. of course, his dad was doing the no call, no show. Okay. Really upsetting my little boy. Yeah. He was seven. And, um, oh, poor kid. We got, we, um, the man took him, the woman took me. I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> Treatment centers were just become popular back mm -hmm. then. It was 1990. Okay. And, um, I just told Stephanie, he's going to ask you a bunch of questions. Just tell him the truth. Yeah. And so I did with the lady and I told her all about my crazy mom and the heroin and stuff that I never talked about. Yep. Then they got together and the man just looked at me and he said, why don't you quit drinking? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, that's serious. Yeah. You know, that, that's extreme quit. Yeah. <laughs> but he said something that changed my life. And he said, you really want to, why don't you let this push why don't you let this be the push you need to take that step? Yeah. And all he had to do was give me permission. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had a drink since he said that. That's amazing. Yes. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. I was so pissed off on my way home. And when I got home, because the first mm -hmm. thing everybody thinks when they make that decision is what am I going to do? do for the rest of my life? Everything revolves around drinking. Yep everything. So I called my friend outreach worker friend from work and he said, uh -huh. we're taking you to a meeting. Awesome. So he took me to an NA meeting and there was only about six people there. And I said, what do I do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he said, introduce yourself <laughs> as an addict and that's all you have to do. And yeah. Um, I did that the next day. He took me to York street mm -hmm. where I spent uh, almost my first year of recovery. Awesome. I um, was so happy to be sober and be around sober people mm -hmm. that you just don't hear that a lot. People drag their asses to AA. And, yeah. Oh, I didn't want to be here. And I get had to get a paper signed and this and that. Mm -hmm. I was happy to be sober because um, I finally had unique. an answer. That's, yeah. yeah like, it is. I had an answer for what was wrong for 20 years. So um, right before I celebrated it, you saw, I, I was hanging around sober people. I got a sponsor. I started okay. steps. We were going out uh, 
NA and CA and AA were huge back then because oh, of yeah. the treatment centers. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of dances, a lot of barbecues, a lot of yep. speakers meetings, a lot, a lot of fellowship. And I just threw myself in. Yeah. That I was a great time in fellowship. I was around was. then too. Yes. Um, the, the fellowship was so, it was so different. Um, you know, we, like you know the softball leagues you know on yes, sunday yes. sunday we go up and go up to golden there's like 500 alcoholics up there hanging out not drinking you know right. we had bowling leagues i mean we would take over the bowling alley right i didn't like it because we didn't drink beer but you know um dances yeah we had dancing you know club north had dances all the time oh, club purpose north, club yeah. we had dances over there once a month um, and I miss those days. I mean, I can't I dance way into the night like I used to. Um, but we get together, you know, for for uh, game night once a month. You know, Pictionary, all that other stuff. And it's, you know, and it's just getting to know other people. Right. And that is for me, that was that's what cemented it for me. Right. So other sober alcoholics mm -hmm. having fun. Yes. So towards the end of my year, um, the same outreach worker took me to a group called Putt and Sober, <laughs> okay. which is not which is not golf. And it's not York Street. <laughs> and it's not York Street. Nope. We're talking motorcycle sobriety. Yep. And yep. he took me to a dance there. And then the next week, I decided to go to a meeting there and mm -hmm. somebody said, my name's John, I'm an alcoholic, and I'll be God if it wasn't John that I knew from junior high school. Woo! He's got like right a, a year and a few months more than I, more time than I do. And That's I just amazing. couldn't believe it. Isn't that amazing? It uh, gave me chills. Yeah. I So cool. I started going to putt and sober and mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I fit, I fit in, even though I'd never been on a bike. Yeah. I still just fit into that crowd. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, I got married right away. <laughs> you guys still should have seen her face. I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't happy. So <laughs> got married right away and um, still thinking, still looking basically for a man to fix, okay. yeah. fix me. I so did looking for an outside source to fill the hole. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even though I had done the steps and I went to meetings, mm -hmm. and, uh, I just had that hole inside still. Now, it wasn't mm -hmm. as big as it was when sure. I drank, of course. I heard somebody at a speaker's meeting up at uh, Estes say once that he felt like he had a hole inside with the wind whistling through. Uh -huh. And I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. That is exactly how I felt for many example. years. So the hole's smaller now because I'm around recovery, mm -hmm. but it's still there. And I struggled. I stayed sober. I stayed married. That was not a good marriage. Okay. One in five years of sobriety when we got married and we weren't that well together. Okay. You know, we broke up and got back together, but I still stayed sober. You know, my my mom died suddenly in her sleep. My dad mm -hmm. had a stroke and passed away. Mm -hmm. I'm working full time. I've got a little kid. 
I finally fell off the edge kind of and got diagnosed with bipolar. Okay. So this is new news to me. Now mm-hmm. I'm like my mother, which I swore to God I'd never be anything like her. Mm-hmm. So I'm messing with my medicine. I'm trying mm-hmm. herbs. I'm trying all these different things to not be like her. But I finally had to accept it. So I struggled. Mm-hmm. Now I have like what I call moderate bipolar. Okay. It's not severe chronic like some people that I like work with at MHCD. Certainly, but it was enough to mess up my life, and yeah. it's an it's another disease that makes you make bad decisions. Yeah, and it comes with denial. Yeah, it's another one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They could run neck and neck. Oh, yeah. Denial. Easy. So yeah. And you you could put anxiety and PTSD in there too. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, those people are all friends, man. So I under, right. I'm I'm diagnosed with PTSD. So yeah. I understand where you're coming from. Maybe not your actions, but but I do get that. I have a book for you. I'll tell you the name of it when we when this is over. Okay. Like, yeah. That's a really good read okay. about that. Um, so that was a shock to find out I had bipolar and I had a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. and I left a job that I loved for the six months disability. And I was so ashamed. I never went back to my job. Oh, I just man. resigned after the six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do lay a little bit of blame on my supervisor who was supposed to keep in touch with me during this time. Okay. And she didn't. And if she would have just said to me, Deanna, come back one day. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come back 40 hours a week this week. Just come back one day and see. And if that, if I would be able to work into it slowly, but that's not what happened. I've yep. had many jobs since then. I struggled with my uh, bipolar for about 14 years. Okay. Many jobs, many psychiatrists, uh, mm-hmm. never getting well until like 2014 and I got a really good doctor at MHCD who straightened me out. And Mm -hmm. now I feel I like have no symptoms last year. Last, last winter was the first winter that I didn't get a little depressed. I mean, I am on the road to recovery with my bipolar. And then I, I want to ask something, but keep the, please keep that in mind. You said you still had a little bit of a hole. Oh yeah. Does it? Do you think that had to do with your bipolar? It could have. No, you know, I'll tell you what I really think after doing a bunch of reading. Okay. I think bipolar leaves you confused. Okay. But the hole in the soul is from trauma. Okay. All right. That's what I believe. All right. From trauma, I could trauma go with that. Ex- sure. The trauma that I experienced as a child with my mother and even the trauma I experienced with my father because uh, he didn't click with me emotionally. You know, okay. he was he was a lot older than me and we basically had nothing in common. Yeah. So I. Uh, I had a really tumultuous recovery until 2014 okay i broke up with my husband finally and then there was a whole bunch of other men and you know 
I finally went and talked to a girlfriend and she asked me if I knew about ACA, adult children Mm -hmm. of alcoholics. Now that was big in 90 also. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's still around, but we yeah, don't but talk not about as it well as known. Mm-hmm. Right. Not as well known. A lot of people don't know what ACA is. Um, you know, even young people's recovery. I mean, now it's called YPR, but I think Sissy Paw is still around. Um, Sissy Paw was really big too. Colorado Coalition of Young People in AA. Right. Right. Oh. Well, in the meantime, at the very, from 2006 to 2012, about, or 2007 to 2012, I met somebody else. All right. We were together for five years. He was younger than me. And, but he was, even though he was a very nice guy, he he Mm -hmm. had the same. So the guys have gotten nicer over the years, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But they still have my main theme, which is controlling and jealous. Ah. And this, this young guy, controlled the shit out of me and I didn't even know it. Yeah. I didn't even know it happened. I stopped going to meetings, not completely. I was still going to five or six a month, maybe. Okay. But nothing that was going to keep me on the beam. Okay. Keep me in the boat. Okay. And by the time. Oh yeah. Totally. And, uh, he isolated me with his family and they were in recovery. And so, I mean, that's how I lied to myself. I'm hanging yeah, around that a bunch make, of recovered yeah. people, but nobody's going to meetings. Yeah. So a bunch of sober yeah. people, a bunch of sober people. That's another lie I told myself. So mm-hmm. um, we broke up and I hit a bottom even worse than the bottom I hit when I first got sober. Yeah. It happens. Now, now we're talking about emotional sobriety, not yep. the drinking and the drugging. Mm-hmm. And I went to my friend. She ended up being my sponsor, but she asked me if she could take me through ACA, this workbook, yep. the steps in the workbook of ACA. And I'm desperate. So I say, yes, mm-hmm. we're working. It takes about a year to go through these steps okay. and uh, she's very thorough. But at the end of the steps, Somebody today in the morning meeting was reading the spiritual experience in the back of the book. Yes. And everything that was listed in that little definition was what I experienced when I finished the ACA steps. Wow. I completely changed. I mean, you could ask 10 people at Punt and Sober who've known me for a long time and they, everyone will tell you, yes, Deanna changed. Oh, it was like I land. It was like I landed. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. I'm, you know, like, like the largest, ep- the largest epiphany ever. Congratulations. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And since then, I've just, my sobriety's gotten stronger. My higher power's gotten stronger. I really struggled with the higher power thing because I think sometimes smart people struggle. Yes, we do. With higher powers. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at it now like I had a little one that was like big enough to keep me sober all those years, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have an all encompassing one like I do now. Yeah. That Bobby had said once that she wears her higher power, like a loose cloak over her shoulders and arms. And I thought, what? (laughs) But (laughs) now, you know, a few years later, I totally 
relate to that. Yeah, now you get it because you've been through some things that you hadn't been through yet. And, and so, I get that too. I mean, I, I understand that we all get to have our own higher power, but we got to be realistic about it too. Um, you know, my first higher power was Batman. And right. there was nothing serious about that. You know, right. and somebody sat me down. They're like, come on, Dion. You know, and now I have a relationship with God. I call him God. So I don't make other people don't misunderstand. Um, right. But yes, it has to be all encompassing. All encompassing. It does. The thing that she helped me the most is I'm a Virgo and I'm also like this really woo woo. You too. <laughs> yep. September 18th. Oh, I'm the 14th. Woo, so good we for just you. had birthdays. Yes. Um, We're both 29. Happy birthday. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Happy birthday to you too. Thanks. She gave me an exercise where I had to write a list of attributes I wanted in my higher power. Okay. Wow, Nobody ever I, done I that. See, I see where this is going. Cool. Go ahead. Nobody ever had done that with me before. Sure. I didn't have any sense of what my higher power was all those years. And now I have a, a full page list of everything that mm -hmm. my higher power is included with my higher power. Yeah. And now I have something concrete. Yeah. Even though it's elusive. But sure. those attributes, those attributes are concrete. Yeah. And what's fantastic about that is then, you know, for me, I kind of saw my relationship with God as my first successful relationship. And then if I started to base my other relationships on that, right, it would succeed also. And now I have successful relationships. Right. That's an awesome way to look at things. Wow. I like that. I'm going to have to steal that. You can you steal it <laughs> all day. You. I'm sure I stole it from somebody else. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Uh, so, you know, I, I had a lot of fun drinking until mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah. I went to a lot of concerts, did a lot mm -hmm. of camping, did a lot of stuff, a lot of dancing, a lot yeah. of parties. And after I did that heroin, you know, that fun wore off and it, mm -hmm. it was never, it was never going to come back. Nope. I mean, I've heard people say they were miserable from their very first drink and that is just not mm -hmm. my experience. Not me either. It, uh, <laughs> you know, I had a really good time for a long time. Yeah. Until it stopped. I mean, and it stopped. And I drove drunk and I took a lot of chances and I risked my life, especially when I went to Mexico and mm -hmm. um, did a lot of crazy things. But it's so weird when you're using, you just don't look at them like life threatening mm -hmm. until you get the chance to look back. Yep. And then when you went and saw that therapist, you know, because I'm going to bring the, I'm going to bring this back up because I like I like what you said, because I brought up, you know, maybe it was the bipolar and you saying it was trauma. And that made sense to me. And it made sense to me because I had it. You know, I was thinking PTSD, you know, but that's exactly what PTSD is, is dealing with trauma. And I can't imagine that we go out for 20, 30 years and put ourselves in some of the most dangerous situations in the world right. and not walk out with any trauma. Right. We've seen people killed in front of us, literally. And then we go party. I yeah. mean, it, 
we're 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 screwed in the head. I was, man. Um, so mean, yeah, not, it was fun until it wasn't anymore. Right. I mean, not only did I have the trauma of my childhood, I re-traumatized myself mm -hmm. over, over and over and over and again. Over and over. Right. And then I would put myself in situations for that trauma to happen so I could justify my anger. You bet. Especially if it had to do with the person with the trauma. Right. <laughs> right. Know. And then we're we're dealing with other people with trauma. Yeah. So it's everybody's trauma, you mm -hmm. know, from wh whatever it's from, uh, you know, all colliding in a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like watching a bunch of neutrons bouncing around in a right. small space. Right. The craziness. Well, fantastic. It's been really fun getting to know you. What what what's life like for you nowadays? Well, of course we're working from home mm -hmm. mostly. Um, as a peer specialist, I go out and visit people. Okay. So the nursing homes, some of the nursing homes are opening up a little bit still with right. social distancing and masks. Uh, I have somebody I visit in her apartment. So I have like three and then two, uh, two people I meet over the computer. Okay. Uh, it's not called Zoom. It's Microsoft version called Teams. Yeah. And so we meet on Teams. and uh, But all my staff meetings and all the meetings are all uh online mm -hmm. and uh the one cool thing was that i when i this first started and it was really scary at first because they sent us home from work city shuts down and nobody knows anything yeah yeah we thought we'd be back to work in three weeks yep so I did a bunch of unhealthy things eating a lot of sugar and just not taking care of myself <laughs> I was baking and yeah and I thought I had just bought a Groupon for beginner yoga at this yoga center. Uh -huh. And I thought, I wonder if they're doing anything on zoom and sure enough, yeah. they were, they were doing it. So awesome. uh, I've been doing yoga for since the beginning of April. And I read in one of those books that I'm reading that yoga is a treatment for trauma. It is. Yeah. Because it's um, it can let you focus and the chakras. I don't know much about yoga, but I just mean somebody that deals with trauma that would make a lot of sense because you're focusing, you're focusing, uh, and you're really on your breathing um, and the breathing, right? Yeah. And I just fell in love with it, so I'm not going to quit it. I've yeah. tried it a couple other times and didn't stick with it, mm -hmm. um, but this time I'm going to stick with it. Okay. So I feel calm and serene for basically the first time these last five years, ever since mm -hmm. I did those ACA steps, mm -hmm. the, the calmness and the sereneness has just been surrounding me. Yeah. I've it never just experienced. Yes. And also as I get 30 years in sobriety, I also am 30 years older. So things just come with age yep. also. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more mature. I have more patience. I, things don't bother me as much. Yeah. The, the one thing that will keep a person down more than anything is that critic in your head. Mm -hmm. 
and I was able to get rid of mine for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I can't begin to tell you how much my self-esteem raised. Yeah, I had I had no self-esteem. Right, either did I. And yeah. I'm walking around like I have my shit together. Yeah, all like I was. Yeah, the time. Yeah. No, and, all the time. And yeah, that's that's a hard place to live in too. Because then you have to act on that. And, and you act just, well, you're always acting. Yeah. You know, I got to AA and they said there was a solution and I believed it. Yeah. Me, me I too. believed it because I, I had there had to be something other, another way to live other than what I was doing. Yeah. You know, you would it it'd be even when I first came in the program, it'd be hard pressed to convince me otherwise. Um but I was I was one of the original members of the Phoenix concept back when it was run by Ray Hayworth. And, you know, it was just, gosh, I wasn't sure where I was going with that. <laughs> 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 too, too many things happening at once in my head. Right. Um, you know, I guess I'm just kind of I'm, I'm uh, kind of digressing with, uh, you know, thinking about all the things that were going on before. So, um. Deanna, thank you very much for coming on and talking and sharing your experience, oh, yeah. strength, strength, and it's hope. Fun. Um, it's fun. Yeah, these are always a lot of fun. Uh, and I I enjoy it because I get to be a part of your I get to be part of your story. Um, right. and get to be involved. And that's and that's I love doing that. Yeah. Um, this is a great this is what you're doing is fantastic thank you thank you very much um yeah this actually came around because so because of my uh anxiety and my ptsd i didn't travel outside the house much so a few years ago i decided to start a telehealth program online for people that wanted to talk or whatever so when corona hit you guys all entered my world Right. This is my world right, right here. And I started training people how to stay home and right. not, you know, blow your own head off. Or, you know, there are days when uh, you spend two weeks by yourself. You're going to drive yourself crazy, man. You're going to. Right. So not very many people are comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. So finding that serenity amongst the chaos comes with time. Right. It does. Right. So, all right, everybody. There we go. There you are. Okay.